Okay. Praise the Lord. Anyway, oh, these are the books of your Bible, obviously, and I'm telling you, the Bible is fantastic, fantastic book for all of us. But anyway, of course, here's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and these are chronological, pretty much accurately. I mean, you can't get beyond much Genesis chapter 1, 1, in the beginning, God created. That's, that is the beginning. I will put this in there too. I mean, a lot of times we're inundated with evolution and when we got this, we have this, we live in a, a high tech city and you can get laughed at pretty easily if you don't agree with the billions and billions of years. And they'll try to say, even Christians, and I understand where they're coming from, and they'll try to say in Genesis, God was not referencing real, real days and whatever. Yes, he was. He said there were real days. And besides that, he said in the fourth day when he created the sun and the moon in the fourth day, and, and he references right there, they'll let them be for times and seasons. Well, I guess they're all messed up because we're, we're saying even the, the silly lie about, well, one day of the Lord's a thousand years. That's still not enough. It needs to be billions of years, according to some scientists. But the truth is not out there that way. It's not. This place is younger <clears throat> than uh, we've been led to believe. If you just look at the evidence. Okay, anyway. So here you have Genesis, and this is all historic, and it can all be laid out. All these details and stuff like this, kings and, and other countries, they have their documents too. It's so easy to see. But anyway, we're going to crawl on down here. You get all the way down to Joshua. They're already in the promised land. Things went haywire real quick. The nation, like, went to the dogs. They're just scattered. All the Canaanites are just, they're just, it all fell apart. But God told Moses that was going to happen. Anyway, later on, we're heading all the way up to, there was Samson and Delilah and all the judges, Gideon, whatever, then the story about Ruth. And all of a sudden, here we are. This nation's fixing to come together. They're finally going to get a king, and that's going to be Saul. And then here comes all your historic information. These are basically some repeats right in here. First and second kings. First kings would capture the king that was here. Okay, These are basically almost word for word, detail by detail, about King David. It's fantastic, fantastic stories. David killed Goliath. It's in here, chapter 17. First and second kings and first and second chronicles is a short glimpse of entire history you will see the assyrian kingdom which the Assyria is really iraq you can go back you'll see that in your living bible but anyway uh, egypt we can't deny there was such a place called egypt of course not anyway you get down here and after these kings it quits right here because the kingdom was gone i mean the there were the kingdom was split up in two sections it was like the sec there were 12 teams it was 12 tribes of israel Anyway, the northern tribes were ten of them, basically, because after Solomon died, when Solomon died, the ten, ten of them broke off and said, we're not a part of the United States anymore. In other words, we're not a part of, of Israel. Actually, they claimed they were Israel, and the other two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, stayed together, and they're the ones that held on to Jerusalem. They had Jerusalem, and those were the sons of David. Anyway, so what happens next is after this, at the end of Second Chronicles, man, Nebuchadnezzar attacks. And Isaiah warned, Jeremiah warned. That's what all these, these uh, prophets down here, they were. This is so cool about the Bible. Oh, watch this. You get down here. You've got uh, oh, the book of Psalms right after. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to focus on Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther in just a moment. So anyway, right here, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel is talking when Nebuchadnezzar took over the kingdom. Daniel was stolen as a slave and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all hauled off to Iraq or whatever, Babylon. But anyway, so uh, that's what's going on here. So anyway, at the end of this first and second kings, the last king, these are 
kings for Israel and kings for Judah. It was the same territory, but two different kings. In 2 Chronicles, they're gone. In Ezra, they're coming back. It's an amazing story. It was about 70 years, and, uh, and God had promised the Israelites, when you guys finally wake up and you finally say, you know, Lord, help us, help us. Because they wouldn't ask the Lord for help. It specifically says they would not ask the Lord for help. But when they finally said, Lord, help me, he would bring them out from under Nebuchadnezzar and they got to go back. Anyway, this little story here in Esther, and I say little because it is. Watch what happens here. They are totally in uh, another country. Only uh, all the Jews are scattered. And let's watch what happens. It was the third year of the reign of King Ahasuerus. Of course, the Bible's a joke. I mean, the Bible's a myth. Everybody was on drugs. This guy is referenced in history. If you go back to school and have to study history, you can go look these guys up. Have you ever heard of a kingdom called the Media and Persia? Of course we have. But when you go to talk about the Bible, oh, you got to go to Sunday school. You can't talk about that. You know, it's all fake. No, it's not. So it says, anyway, there was a, the, the, the vast Media and Persia with its 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. Well, we've heard of that. See, this is true. This was the year of the great celebration of the Shushan Palace, to which the emperor invited all of his governors, aides, officers, bring them all from every place. He brought everybody to this place. Now, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of this so we can speed along. So anyway, the celebration lasted how long? Six months. Tremendous display of wealth and the glory of his empire. Same thing like Alexander the Great and all these people you've seen when you had to study these kingdoms. Okay. After it was all ordered, the king gave a special party for the palace servants. Officials, janitors, and cabinet minutes, cabinet officials alike. I thought that was neat. The janitors? Yeah, y'all boys get in here too. Sit down, have a drink. Well, anyway, for seven days of reverie held in the courtyard, the palace garden, the decorations were green, white, and blue. This is great. Look at the details. Look at the details. Well, if you remember the story of Esther, the queen at the time here is fixing to make a big mistake. So anyway... The king is going to decide. He says, you know what? I want everybody to see how pretty my queen is. So Queen Vashti, he says. She had also gave a party for the women at the same time. Okay. Anyway, the king was feeling very high, half drunk from wine. He and, big, he and these people, whatever, they wanted to bring Queen Vashti with him, the royal crown upon her head, so the men could gaze upon her beauty, for she was a very beautiful woman. But when they, but, uh, when they conveyed the emperor's order to Queen Vashti, she refused to come. Well, if you remember the story, she's like, I ain't going in there. Well, anyway, the king is disappointed, and he asked his aides, and he says, what am I going to do? And all the counselors said, well, if you don't make her come in here, all of us are going to have trouble with our husbands across the whole world. So anyway, so here he says, but he consulted with his lawyers, for he did nothing without their advice. And anyway, if you'll notice what happened, uh, what shall we do about this situation, he asked. What penalty does the law provide for a queen who refuses the king's order? Anyway, this guy, we'll call him Mike. He says, man... She is wrong, not only the king, but also every official in your empire. For women everywhere <laughs> will begin to disobey their husbands. And, you know, it really doesn't matter what happens here. The women rule no matter what. You mean, you know, I'm talking about it. But this is what was going on. That's reading the Bible is such a great book. Abraham caught himself like this one time. Abraham's wife, Sarah, said, I tell you what, I can't have no kids. God's promised us kids, so take Haggai. 
Well, he takes Haggai, and they have a child, and now Sarah's like, what'd you do that for? I mean, I mean it was, and, and finally, Abraham went to the Lord, and the Lord, you know what the Lord said? The Lord says, do whatever Sarah said do. Well, Sarah said, tell Hagar to take a trip, you know. And of course, that's the story with Ishmael, they had to leave. But they came back. You know. But anyway, so this is really funny, but it's very important, because the king's going to put his foot down. And anyway, guess what? Queen Vashti's going to get booted. She's going to get kicked out. Okay. But you know how women are. It's so funny. Chapter 2 is, guess what the king does? <laughs> He's starting to miss Queen Vashti. You know. But anyway, that's what happens. So let's see what happens. So anyway, they said, man, unless you do this, we're all going to be in trouble. Uh, so anyway, the decree was published throughout your great kingdom. Husbands, husbands everywhere, whatever their rank, will be respected by their wives. Oh, really? I mean, that didn't fix nothing. But anyway, they thought it made good sense. We all, all men think that, you know. Oh, it all made good sense. So they sent it out. That was the letter. Now that's going to be very important because you know this book is about a woman called Esther. Chapter 2. King Esther, I mean, excuse me, King Asasuerus, uh, what do you call him, King A? King A's anger cooled. He began brooding over the loss of Vashti. <laughs> you know, I miss that woman. Anyway, so his aides, they're trying to help. What do, we all, what do men do when you lose a girlfriend or whatever? You need another girlfriend. Get another girlfriend in there. So this is interesting. So anyway, you know what's going to happen here. So they decided to bring all these lovely women in, and you pick another one. We'll appoint agents in each province to, set, to select young lovelies for the royal harem. You know, for years, if you do not read your Bible, you will think beauty is something... That, well, I'm just not supposed to be. And, and, and you women here, there's nothing wrong with being beautiful. There's nothing wrong with thinking that God created a woman to be beautiful. I mean, it shut Adam down when he saw Eve. It did. He's, I read this in the Living Bible, and I mean, he just, it was asterisks. It was like, whoa, this is a woman. Now I have a companion. I mean, it was something, something great. But somehow we don't think God cares about this. That's so silly. Abraham's wife was such a knockout at 80 years old, he told her, Sarah, go to Pharaoh. Tell him I'm your brother. That way they won't kill me to marry you. So Sarah, goes, oh, Sarah says, okay. And her grandson, had, or her son had to do the same thing. Isaac, his wife, Rachel, or Rebecca, whichever one, or, mm, do the same thing. But anyway, back to this. So anyway, they got all these women together. Okay. The suggestion naturally pleased the king very much, and he put the plan into immediate effect. Well, I guess so, you know. Hey? Now, interesting. Here we go. Now, there was a certain Jew at the palace named Mordecai. Now, this is why this is in your Bible, and it is a great deliverance, and the details are here so that you'll know, you know what? I'm faced with something this week, and I'm going to get out of this problem. God's going to get me out. Now remember, the whole kingdom was gone. This is not Jerusalem. This is in another country, probably 500, 600 miles away. Anyway, Mordecai, this guy, a certain Jew at the palace named Mordecai, a son of whoever. Okay, remember, he was the son of Kish, which he was one of Saul's kids. He had been captured when Jerusalem was. I mean, you imagine this. I mean, he's thinking, you know, well, I guess it's over with because our parents were such idiots. See, he'd been captured when Jerusalem was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and exiled to Babylon along with the rest of these guys. Anyway, this man had a beautiful and lovely young cousin. She's called Esther, okay, whose father and mother were dead. Anyway, he adopted her. Okay, anyway, so bottom line, I'm going to speed through, the, through, the, uh, through this right here. But what happens here is um, she's a knockout. And Mordecai was already working for the palace. 
And so this guy that's head of the harem, you know, he says, hey, uh, we need your daughter because I already know she's a knockout. Anyway, what's interesting is, is, remember, you're Esther. Look at the royal treatment she's getting. Uh, she was very much, he, he was very much impressed with her and did his best to make her happy. Hello? You know, he ordered special menu for her, favored her for the beauty treatments. Hello? This stuff is happening to me all week long. It's just following me around. Deuteronomy 28 says the blessings of the Lord will, will come all over you. Anyway, bless when you go in, bless when you go in. Anyway, so anyway, they also gave her seven girls from the palace as her maids and gave her the most luxurious apartment in Hiram, in the harem. Joy and, and Josh went to Korea, and she told me later, she said, Dad, I cannot believe the apartment they've got. Isn't that, wasn't that a glorious apartment? It was huge. It was beautiful. Here they are starting out. You're not supposed to have nothing, whatever. They would still be in the army today if they could go back to Korea, is what Josh told me. And, of course, Joy would have followed, too. Absolutely. Anyway, so that's what's going on. Anyway, the instructions concerning these girls was that before being taken to the king's bed, each one would be given six months of beauty treatments with all, all this kind of stuff. Okay. Anyway, so anyway, let's see. She was taken to the king's apartment in the evening. The next morning returned to the second harem where the king's wives lived. She was under the care of, uh, anyway, these eunuchs. Anyway, they were going to be there for the rest of their life. Now, when it was Esther's turn to go to the king, look down here, verse 15. Oh, <clears throat> She accepted the advice of, anyway, her boss, we'll call him Herb, the eunuch in charge, dressed according to his instructions. All the others exclaimed, exclaimed with delight when they saw her, which she was a knockout. So Esther was taken in in January of the seventh year of his reign. Now, it's important. Why does it say January? Because within a year, this great miracle is going to take place. But with only in a matter of two months, something horrible is going to be destined. I'll just go ahead and tell you. All the Jews everywhere are scheduled for annihilation. Everybody, no matter what. You talk about the Holocaust? This was going to be a major Holocaust. Anyway, well, the king loved Esther more than any other girls. I'm telling you, you have got favor wherever you go. Anyway, he was so delighted with her that he set the royal crown on her head and declared her queen instead of Vashti. To celebrate this, he had a party. Anyway... Oh, by the time, anyway, look at this. By that time, Mordecai had become a government official. Can you see what's going on here? Promotion, promotion, promotion. Anyway, notice this. She hadn't told anybody she was a Jew yet. She was just following her uncle's orders. Okay. Now, uh, let's see. This is important. One day, Mordecai was on duty. Two of the king's eunuchs. Bill and whatever Tim, they were guards at the palace gate. They became angry with the king, plotted to assassinate him. What's Mordecai going to do? Whoa, buddy, you ain't assassinating the king. That was great. Mordecai heard about it, passed on the information to you know his uh, niece, who told the king, crediting, crediting Mordecai with the information. An investigation was made, and those two men were found guilty, and they were impaled alive, probably crucified. This was all duly recorded in the history of the king of Ahasuerus, King A's reign. And now, I'm going to point out again, we have this in our Bible, in a book called Esther. It's also recorded in the Medes and the Persians documentations. They're not a bunch of clowns. We have this idea sometimes that nobody kept records until Excel came out you know, with Microsoft. Mm -mm. Records have always been kept. Okay, now, puts us in chapter 3. 
Anyway, here's a bad guy shows up. He's going to be prime minister. So just, we, we're used to that in the British government, prime minister. This guy by the name of Haman, he's prime minister. Most powerful official in the empire to the king himself. Everybody bowed to him. But guess what? Mordecai sees him. He don't bow. And Mordecai says, well, it's because of my religion. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, whatever. But Haman is furious about it. Why are you dis- disobeying the king's commandment? The others uh, the, the others demanded day after day. But he still refused. Finally, they spoke to Haman to see whether Mordecai could get away with it because of him being a Jew, which was the excuse he always gave. Anyway, Haman was furious. And, uh, but decided not to lay hands on Mordecai alone, look at this, but to move against all of Mordecai's people, the Jews. In other words, it's going to be a whole holocaust and destroy them throughout the whole kingdom. Now, this kingdom wasn't in Lacey Springs. It was spread out. It was the entire known world at the time, 127 provinces, the kingdom of the Persians. Let's see what happens. The most propitious time for this action was determined by throwing dice. Now, this is important, throwing dice. Just remember the word dice there. It was done in April. Uh-oh. It was just in January when Esther became queen. Now, by April, everybody's doomed. So they threw the dice, and the date said February. So the Holocaust was going to happen in the next February, basically on the 28th. Haman now approached the king about the matter. Now, remember, he hates the Jews. And let's just say we're all Jews. Uh-oh. You know when good things happen? Hey, I'm the queen. But guess what? You're going to get killed, too. Well, I'm Mordecai. I'm a government official. Well, you think you get killed too. Not only that, your whole race is going to get killed. So anyway, there's a certain race of people scattered throughout the provinces of your kingdom, he began. And their laws are different from those of any other nation. They refuse to obey the king's laws. Therefore, it's not in the king's interest to let them live. If it please the king, issue a decree that they may be destroyed. Now notice this. Haman was so rich, he said, I'll pay the 20 million into the royal treasury for the expenses involved in this holocaust or purge. The king agreed. He signed it with his ring and messages were sent out to all the world. Oh, man. Anyway, watch what happens. He goes on, he says, hey, just keep the money. Go ahead and do as you like. Do whatever you think is best. Anyway, for two or three weeks later, Haman called the secretaries and dictated letters. In other words, he sent all this stuff out. He signed it with his ring. Then they were sent out. There was no email. This had to be done by donkey. How long is it going to take you to get to Ethiopia? I'll be there in six months. <laughs> anyway, but anyway, they got it out there. Now, that's going to be important, too. Because when God's going to save you, you could start worrying about, the email's not here. Don't worry about emails. Don't worry about phone calls. We're talking God Almighty who will protect you. So anyway, they were sent by messengers. Young and old women and children must be killed on the 28th eighth day of February, the following year. A copy of this edict was sent out. Whatever. All right. This last little bit of this chapter here, anyway, uh, then it says, Then the king and Haman sat down for a drinking spree, and the whole city fell into confusion and panic. Chapter 4, Mordecai found out what was going on. Her uncle, he tears his clothes. He's sitting in the street, he's crying. Esther's still in the palace, and she sees her uncle out there and says, Hey, go ask my uncle what's wrong. And she actually sent him some clothes. Hey, dress up. Mordecai has to tell her, Man, we're doomed. We're doomed. Esther's maids and the eunuchs, they told her about Mordecai. She was deeply distressed and sent him clothes to replace his sackcloth, but he refused. Then Esther sent for, anyway, Herb there, whatever it was, who had been appointed and told him to find out what was going on. Anyway, so she finds out what the promise, I mean, what the problem was. 
Uh, Mordecai gave Herb a copy of the king's decree, dooming all the Jews, and told it to show it to Esther what was happening. Anyway, this Hathath guy, Herb we'll call him, returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Esther, you know, went back to, anyway, Esther told Herb there to go back and tell him, listen to this. All the world knows that anyone, because, uh, oh, oh, I missed a part right there. We just, uh, okay. Her uncle said, you've got to go before the king. And, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Yeah, there it is. Look at it. See, her, her uncle, Mordecai, said, he said, you've got to go to the king and plead for the people. Well, remember, King Vashti done got, you just don't go in there to the king. And this is what she's going to say. She says, all the world knows whether man or woman who goes into the king's inner court without his summons is doomed to die unless the king holds out his golden scepter. And the king's not called for me to come in more than a month. Well, that's because he's got all these other knockout women, I guess, or whatever. But anyway. But he did say that he loved her. Remember, we saw that already. So anyway, notice what she says. Then Mordecai has replied to Esther, Do you think you'll escape when all the Jews are killed? If you keep quiet at a time like this, God will deliver the Jews from some other source. Whoa! Hold on a minute. Do you see how important and how strong God's deliverance is? Esther, you've got a chance to help here, but if you don't help, God's still going to get it. Don't put all your eggs in one basket saying, well, if this works out and this works out and this works out, then that's the only way God's going to get me out of trouble. You just plan on getting out no matter what. God's going to get you out. But anyway, but you and your relatives will die. What's more? What's to say? Here's this famous scripture right here. This is in the Living Bible, but you'll catch it. That God has brought you into the palace for, King James says, such a time as this. Such a time as this. Anyway, Esther said, tell Mordecai, tell everybody to get together for me. Y'all fast and whatever. And she says, and if I die, I die. <laughs> but she said, I'm going to do it. But y'all pray. All right, let's see what happens. Three days later, Esther put on her royal robes. Now, you've got to know, she's, the whole place has been praying because they're like, she's going to go in there and go ask for the Lord, I mean, for the king to spare uh, these people. But she could get killed. He was sitting on his royal throne, and when he saw Esther standing in the inner court, he welcomed her, holding out his scepter. When she, I mean, she wasn't invited. She shows up, and he lifted up that scepter. Notice what he said. Look what he says. What do you wish, Esther? What's your request? I'll give you even half the kingdom. Praise the Lord. Well, of course, what she said, you know, if, if your majesty, if it please you, I want you and Haman to come to a banquet I had prepared for you today. Well, I tell you what, he says, okay. So anyway, she just says, come to this, um, come to this um, uh, banquet. Now, anyway, notice this. What a happy man Haman was after he left the banquet. But when he saw Mordecai at the gate, not standing up or trembling before him, he was furious. He goes home and he tells his wife. That's what we all do. And he boasted about them. His, uh, anyway, and uh, anyway, she tells his... Well, let me just read it. So anyway, however, he restrained himself when he went home and got together with his friends and his wife and boasted to them about his wealth, his children, the promotions, and all this kind of stuff. Then he delivered his punchline. Yes, and Queen Esther invited me and the king to this banquet. Woohoo! But then he said, you know, this is nothing. When I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there and he don't bow before me, you know, I tell you what. Well, his wife says, well, why don't you just build some gallows and have him killed tomorrow? So she says, get ready. She says, hey, get ready a 75-foot gallows and in the morning ask the king to let you hang Mordecai. You know, sometimes the women get a lot more smarts than the men do. 
She said, what do you, I mean, she knew he was prime minister. Go in before the king and say, I want this man dead. And so he goes, yeah. So he's going to go to that. He's fixing to go marching in there and say, I want Haman dead. Now, this is so wonderful. I mean, I want Mordecai dead. Wow, you're worried about, and, but this is interesting. Mordecai, think about this. He didn't know these gallows are being built for him. But God does. And God, the whole time, is getting you out of trouble. So here's what happened. He's going to go in there and tell King A, we'll call him, that I want him dead. But look at this. The king couldn't sleep that night. You, you'll know what's going on. He ordered the historical records of the kingdom of the library. Oh, nobody in history, all oh, everybody until you went to Yale or Oxford or whatever and kept notes. That is baloney. Baloney, baloney, baloney. The Romans had detailed records. Amazing. So he's in bed reading the books. Now watch what he reads. And in them he came across about the time when Mordecai had exposed a plot of these two guys trying to kill him. And anyway, they tried to assassinate him. And he goes, hey, what reward did we ever give Mordecai for this? And his court buddy said, well, I don't think we did anything for him. Watch what happens. Uh, King says, who's on duty outside? Now, it happened that Haman was outside working. And so anyway, he's going to call in Haman. He says, get Haman, bring him in here. Now, watch what happens. So the king's all excited. Now, look what the king says. Bring him in. Haman came in. And he says, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? Haman thought to himself, he must be talking about me. Whom would he honor more than me? So she, he replied, bring, oh, well, here's what you ought to do, king. Bring out some royal robes that the king himself wore and the king's own horse and a royal crown. Instruct one of the king's most noble princesses, that's his sons, to robe the man and lead him through the streets on the king's own horse, shouting before him, this is the way the king honors, you know, one who truly pleases. Look at this. Excellent, the king said to Haman. Hurry up and take these robes in my horse and do just what you have said to Mordecai the Jew. Oh my gosh. This devastated Haman. Now remember, he's already had the, the orders all out. In February 28th, just eight months from now, all Jews are going to be killed. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So anyway, uh, and notice the king said, yeah, follow every detail you suggested. I'll tell you what, when you're on the chopping block to get killed, God's already got things turned around for you like crazy. You know, I know we read the Bible, and I encourage you to read it even more. But anyway, First Chronicles. No, 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 no. Oh. First Samuel, right when David's been running for his life, and finally Saul is killed. One of the fantastic stories in the last chapter of 1 Samuel, of 1 Samuel, right when David thinks he's going to get killed, but the Lord delivers him, he goes from being scared, silly, all the way to king of Israel in less than a day. It's amazing. Amazing. So, you know, all this stuff is working for you behind the scenes. So anyway, so he took him out and he shouted, this is the way the king honors <laughs> Anyway, anyway, Haman goes home and tells his wife what happened. Oh, man, he is so depressed. Now, notice, look at this. Now, where did he get this from? This is the reason we all have to stay encouraged, no matter what. His wife, you know, the wives are smart. Look what his wife said. Uh, She said, uh, and all his friends, they said, if Mordecai is a Jew, you will never succeed in your plans against him. No weapon formed against you will prosper, the scripture says. That's right. You've got to watch your own depression. Don't let depression get a hold of you and talk you into thinking. Ooh. Anyway, to continue to oppose him will be fatal. 
Amon didn't listen. He didn't listen. Anyway, while they were still discussing it, the, the messengers arrived anyway to take him to the banquet. Uh-oh, bad news. So anyway, so the king and Haman, they went to Esther's banquet. During the wine course, the king asked her, okay, what's your petition? What do you want? I'll give it to you, half my kingdom. You know, Esther's got to know at this point, I got this thing made. And remember, she's been talking to Mordecai. She already saw Mordecai going by on a donkey. And then all this, everybody hollering, woo-hoo, he's great. Uh, if I've won your favor, old king, and she knew she did, if it please your majesty, can you imagine this? Save my life and the lives of my people. The king's jaw had to drop. Who's going to kill you? Well, she said, that man is. For I and my people have been sold to those who will destroy us. We're doomed to destruction and slaughter. We're going to be sold as slaves. Perhaps I could remain quiet even though there would be an incalculable damage to the king and no amount of money could ever recover. What are you talking about? King A demanded. Who would touch you? This wicked hey man will. Anyway, hey man saw what was coming. He fell on his face. He starts pleading with her. Van, or no, excuse me. Uh, Esther's on, the, on her little throne right there. <laughs> and Haman falls over. He's begging for his life. And the king already ran out of the room. He comes back in. He sees Haman on his wife's lap begging for him. He says, are you trying to rape my wife? Anyway, he gets killed immediately. So anyway, Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. The king jumped to his feet and ran out, of the, ran out in the palace garden as Haman stood up and pled for his, for his life. In despair, he fell on the couch. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, the king comes in and says, Will he even rape the queen in the palace before my eyes? The king roared instantly. The death veil was placed over Haman's face. Praise the Lord. Okay, that's the end of that. Hey, this book, is only, this book only goes to chapter 10. And they're very, very short. Watch what happens next. The same day, King A gave the estate of Haman, the Jews' enemies, to Esther. Mordecai brought before the king, was brought before the king, uh, okay, anyway, he took off his ring and had to, that it was on Haman. He gave it to Mordecai and made him what? Made him what? Prime Minister. The last chapter of this is so fantastic. It's about three verses long. But anyway, it's fantastic what they say about Mordecai. He was just somebody who, like you and I are, just was honest. And it's important that we be honest with our friends, honest with those around us. It actually says in the last chapter that Mordecai and his deeds were recorded along with King A., Oh, and it said that Mordecai was the friend of the people. And it says, in court. So in other words, if you were called to court, oh no, Myrna's got to go to court. No problem, Mordecai's coming. <laughs> He's going to be with you. What's that got to do with anything? Man, Mordecai loved the Lord. And he loved the people. He wanted justice. But anyway, so now, hey, it ain't over. The rest of the kingdom's not been notified. Everybody's going to get killed in less than six months. Once more, Esther came before the king, falling down before his feet, begging with tears to stop Haman's plot against the Jews and against the king being... Anyway, uh, again, the king lifted up his royal scepter and he said, hey, come on in here. So she rose, stood before him, and she said, listen, we've got to get, the, the, we've got to get this reversed. And so she said, send out a decree reverse, reversing Haman's orders to destroy the Jews throughout the province. How can I endure it to see my people butchered and destroyed? So look what he says. King A said to her and Mordecai, the, the prime minister, I have given Esther's palace the, of Haman and he's been hanged on the gallows. He says, now go ahead and send a message to the Jews telling them whatever you want in the king's name and sing and seal it with that ring. Immediately the secretaries were called in. It was the 23rd day of July. They got six months to reach Ethiopia or Ethiopia's dead. They wrote as Mordecai dictated. I mean, how good could this be? This is your prayers. 
Whatever you want, whatever you want. I think I hear Jesus saying, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Anyway, so the decree went out all the way. But now, the funny part about it is this stuff still has to, shall we say, hit the fan. Anyway, he wrote an, uh, he wrote uh, that, uh, that they, could, they should protect themselves. Here we are. We're going right straight to chapter 9. goes real quick. So here it goes. On the 28th, 8th day of February, the decrees of the king were put in effect. The days the Jews' enemies had hoped to vanish them throughout. It, anyway, notice this. It turned out quite the contrary. The Jews gathered together, and bottom line is uh, they, the Jews fought back. But interesting, the, the Jews didn't take anybody's property. It actually says so. They just defended for their lives. So let me skip ahead down here. So you get down here. And uh, basically all the Jews were spared. Uh, meanwhile, the other Jews throughout the king's provinces had gathered together, stood for their lives, and they destroyed all their enemies. They killed 75,000 of those who had hated them, but they didn't take their goods. Throughout the province, this was done on the 28th day of February, and the next day rested, celebrated with feasting and gladness. The Jews at this place went on killing the second day, whatever, they were still having to defend themselves. But finally it was over, feasting and gladness. Now watch this, look at this. Throughout Israel to this day, there's an annual celebration on the second day when they were doing this. Is, it's like we honor Christmas, okay? The Jews, it's just so funny, and I'm not a Jew, but I have a Bible. But this was supposed to have been celebrated. Why? Because it reminds us what? God will get you out of trouble. This is car wrecks, this is disease, this is everything. I mean, you look at this story. Now, we're about done here, but anyway, Mordecai, I mean, they were giving gifts. This was like Christmas. I'd give Laura a gift. What are you doing that for? Ah, because of this thing. Remember what happened to Esther? And she'd go, oh yeah. And she'd go out and get me a gift too. So we will remember. Mordecai wrote the history of all these events and sent letters to Jews far and near, encouraging them to declare an annual holiday. Oh my gosh. Your kids would have to know, why, 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 why are we doing this? Anyway, when their sorrow was turned from gladness, uh, I mean, turned to gladness, and their mourning into happiness. Anyway, the Jews adopted, adopted this suggestion. It was a reminder of how they were uh, delivered. And anyway, notice this. Uh, because they were plotted to be destroyed by the throwing of dice. And so there's important about that. And the reason it was the throwing of dice because the celebration is called Purim because the word is for throwing dice is pure. So it's the Feast of Purim. You could look this up and you go, I know the story behind that. It's Esther. Anyway, so that's what happened there. Last chapter here, oh, look at this. This see, it's pretty short, isn't it? You could read that in about, well, let's see how long. King A not only laid tribute upon the mainland, but on even the isles of the sea. His great deeds and all the full account of the greatness of Mordecai and the honors given him by the king were written. Written? Yeah. Notice this is not First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. This is in the Medes. You'd have to go look it up somewhere. But they wrote it down in their historical stuff. Now watch this. Mordecai the Jew was the prime minister, praise the Lord, with authority next to King A himself. He was, of course, a very, very great among the Jews and respected by all his countrymen because he did his best for his people and was a friend at court for all of them. Wish we had something like that today. Well, you do. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus was working behind this the whole time. You can read Esther yourself in just a few moments at any time you want to. I mean, man, when things get blue and things get bad and whatever, just pick any place out in the Scriptures. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that if we're not feeling good, you'll make us well. 
If we're struggling financially, even according to the book of Esther here, we'll get out of that financial trouble. Praise the Lord. Mordecai wound up being prime minister. Got a palace. Hallelujah. Well, if it's not money, if it's not our health or whatever, it's just some other problem. We know you'll get us out of that. We just thank you for your help. And that didn't leave anything left but for us to celebrate and have a feast and tell others why we're celebrating. It's because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I watched that movie.